Well, uh, Mark, here yes. we are. They never thought that we would we'd be back doing this show. I, I, I almost don't feel like we shouldn't be doing this. No, they knew. They, they knew didn't. Perfect. They they're expecting certain thing that they want to hear when they hear the name overly medicated. But I want everyone to know, like this isn't this is not season two. Absolutely not, one hundred percent. So you know they need to be prepared that you know they're not going to hear they're not going to hear the theme song. They want to hear the theme song, but we're not going to give it to them. We're not going to give them the theme song. We're going to have just one. We have one award left yeah. from season yep. one that we actually saved as a bonus. It's stacked off, decked off to the side. We kept it for a special occasion like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be our only award. We're not going to tell you what kind of award. If you, if you are a listener, a dedicated listener, or overly medicated, you know who this is, who is getting this award, where it's going. Yeah. We're going to tell you why briefly, but we can't give away too many awards because again we've been told to tell you this is not season two it is not season two it's not it's not at season all. two at all wait a minute is that the- <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> is that it what? Oh. who what? brought it back well, fuck it let's do Damn, it then. it back go I'll take a pain pill. I'll take a pain pill. Wish a nigga take away the pain. Smoke a lot of cool. I smoke a lot of cool. Thinking I can blow away some pain. I'm sipping cold. I'm sipping cold. Wishing I could slow down pain. I'm trying to substitute it. I'm trying to substitute it. I'm trying to wow. Well, I, I guess, I guess this is. Yeah, I guess, I guess we're back. Thank you, Sam Levinson, <laughs> for clearing us the future. Back. Yeah, we got to clear this song. Shout out the future for that. This song hits a little bit different after this special episode. It's a little too on the nose. For I this mean, Sometimes that's what. Sometimes those are some of the best things that you get from Future. A little bit, a little bit too direct. Yeah. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, this is overly medicated. A euphoric look at HBO's Euphoria, starring Zendaya, Emmy Award winning Zendaya, Emmy Award winning. And let's make sure so, that's indicated everywhere. Yes, written, directed, created by Sam Levinson. Of course, I am Justin here with Mark. It's been a while, maybe about two months since we've talked to you guys. We did a, a really special. Um, recap. Uh, we watched the pilot episode last time we were on. We were talking to you guys where we didn't actually review the pilot episode on season one, so we went back and did it. Uh, just trying to scratch any type of content we could. <laughs> can we talk about? Can we talk about the thought of content as Euphoria was taking this time, uh, not only during COVID but to yeah. possibly start recording season two? Yeah, we we were so excited. You know, we told you guys that like, we've been kind of tracking Reddit, tracking all types of production notes and production things that, that are going on with the show just to make sure to see when we can actually like come back again. And, you know, it, you know, it got pushed back. Sam Levinson even confirmed it in the, uh, behind the, behind the scenes of the special episode with Rue, uh, that dropped on Thursday that, you know, they were literally days before they were supposed to start, you know, shooting season two, they had to shut down for COVID. And, uh, when they shut down me and Mark shut down and we were like, we're going to find the Iraqi version of the show. Couldn't find the Iraqi version. <laughs> we were we were thinking maybe we just rewatch the whole season again and just redo and just redo it again. We really wanted to find that original Euphoria, and the internet unfortunately let us down. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't do it. Uh, there there were you know lots of ideas that we were batting around. We were like maybe we do a different TV show, and uh, you know like there were just so many ideas, and we just figured you know let's just wait till it's properly back and we can properly talk about it. And you know we got a surprise. You know, about a month ago that they were going to make two special episodes, uh, call them bridge episodes of Euphoria that would not count as season two, but would count as kind of like a, a appetizer for season two. Um, part one will be for Rue, which we're going to review on this episode today. And part two, I think is pretty much confirmed will be Jules. And on the show today, we'll talk, we'll predict and talk about what we think is going to happen with that episode and where we think season two is going to premiere and you know, all of that stuff. There, there's a lot to actually talk about <laughs> with Euphoria for the first time. Um, you know, they, they finally unveiled unveiled really what they've been doing, what they've been working on. And now, now we see where it's at. Uh, 
you know, Mark, how do you feel about kind of like the explosion of information we have about the show now? Like other than a date, we have a lot of things that are, that are, you know, a lot of moving parts going on with the show again. I think the most exciting part that ended up coming out was not only just the announcement of the episode, but what is the episode going to entail? Because we left season one with so many different questions from characters and characters that people wanted to see return once we actually have an opportunity to see season two. But because these are almost like appetizers heading into season two, with these two episodes, you're going to tell specific stories. So I feel like those that came into Euphoria last night and wanted to see almost like a a quote-unquote winner special where you see all the characters of Euphoria and maybe there's something small that they do for Christmas. It ends up not being that. But in return, we end up getting an episode that is almost the opposite of Euphoria, almost like the anti-Euphoria. There, were, there yeah. weren't any... There wasn't a lot of glitter. There wasn't a lot of glam and bright lights and, and bikes just riding throughout California. There wasn't anything really glamorous when it came to the views of what it came from this episode. It was very dark. It was very it was it was such a important conversation to have for the area of Rue. But for those that are expecting all the different characters to be in these episodes leading up to season two. We don't get that. And I think because of that, we get the most important conversation that come or that came from season one, which is what happened between Jules and Rue in those final moments. Yeah. And, and what happened afterwards, these episodes, this episode takes place. If we were to guess uh, season one ended around Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, actually ended on Halloween. Uh, so we are, I mean, it's safe to say it's two months after uh, all of this happened, and uh, Rue is not dead. <laughs> Let's just be clear here. Uh, the um, original season one uh, call out that people Come tried to, to grab nice and early from episode Come two. Come on, nah. Uh, but, you know, before we dive into the episode, as Mark said, not a lot of characters in this. Of course, they filmed this under probably the, the height of COVID. Uh, they, they, and they shot this. I mean, Zendaya uh, shot a whole movie. Under COVID, there's actually getting a lot of a lot of Oscar talk, but she also shot this episode. Uh, there were two sets, the diner and what looked like an apartment from a, a dream or, or a fantasy sequence. Uh, there were only three to four principal actors in it. That would be Ali uh, and that would be Rue and that would be Jules. And, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so like that's it. There were the only people that are in there. They, they completely safe, completely COVID safe. We saw the behind the scenes. They were all wearing masks. There were not many people on the set. I thought it was really interesting and fascinating to, to see how they kind of worked around this because now people are actually doing whole big, you know, they're filming Jurassic World right now, Mark. They're filming like Batman and stuff like that. So when Euphoria was doing this, they were, this was, you know, before we were able to even have these big productions uh, at that time. Yeah, it's, it ends up being the literal opposite. And because we have this setting that ends up being a very dim lit restaurant on the night, well, technically the morning of Christmas. You don't really have too many people that end up being characters. Our two main focuses end up being with Rue and Ali. But outside of that, not a lot of people in the restaurant. Again, it's it's very early in the morning, so it's not a packed restaurant. So I, I want to say there are maybe like two people eating, listening to the conversation of Rue and Ali in the background, and of course, jump into her conversation once Ali ends up asking her a question. But I think they did a really good job with that. We didn't really need everything to come from Maddie and Cassie and Nate. I think people can wait for those conversations. People can wait for those storylines when those end up coming. Right now, dedicating two pieces to your focal points in Euphoria Mm -hmm. in general, I think are going to be what end up as very beneficial until we start getting more legs to start getting everybody in safer situations, uh, closer situations, so that season two can end up having its story start coming out. Yeah. Uh, let's let's hop right into the episode, why don't we? Like, who do you want to be when you leave this earth? I'm not really sure I follow. You said you weren't going to be here much longer. Okay, then... How do you want your mom and sister to remember you? As someone who tried really hard to be someone I couldn't. This is a... 
this is a very heavy episode, Mark. Uh, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> I don't know what we could expect. This is completely, this episode is completely unprecedented from what HBO does. They mm-hmm. never do anything like this. This is, once the seasons are over, you get nothing until they renew it. You know, Westworld doesn't even do this. And they spend so much money on that show. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it is like, I don't know. Like, what did you expect going into this? Did you expect this episode, part one, Rue, to be as dark and, and you know, heavy as it was, even at the beginning and the outset? Definitely not as in-depth as it ended up coming out last night. I did expect dark because what we have at the end of season one when Rue pretty much relapses and goes into the theatrics that, that end up closing out the season, that ended up being a nice thing to watch and things of that nature. But I know as soon as the, the come down started happening and she starts getting a little more sober and realizing the, the effects of what's actually going on right now, that's definitely a dark conversation to have. And the episode actually ends up, like you said, ruin a dream. And we weren't 100% positive whether or not it was a dream in the first place because we see Jules and Rue, they're in bed together, just like how they had described it in previous episodes. They wanted to spend the rest of their lives with each other. Jules would go off to school. They'd be sharing beds. They'd be continuing their life together. But the first thing that we ended up seeing was, it, this doesn't really look like a room that we ended up seeing much in season one at all. And I said, nah, yeah. it can't be, can't be Jules room at all. Cause I would, I, I texted you like, we were watching this, you know, together, obviously, but like, you know, uh, I was like, this isn't Jules's house. <laughs> no, and I was like, this, this, something's up, something's going on. And then we, we, we quickly pieced together that this is the fantasy that they wanted to have. They're, you know, like they're, they're just chilling. They're happy. Rue's kissing all over Jules. They're, they're like living like a, the, the life that they wanted to live. And then we get hit very heavily with the, you know, this is like a, this is like a big what if. Then you get hit with reality when Rue goes into the bathroom after Jules leaves to, uh, you know, a, bi- a big job that she, that she wanted. And she does coke. She looks down, looks up, and she is in the bathroom of the diner. Mark, how do you feel when that just kind of hit you in the stomach? Like, nope, we're, <laughs> we're back to where we were. I was like, poor Rue. First off, let's talk about, can we just talk about the ambiance that Rue had in her mind in this dream? The brick walls. I think we need to call Rue to attention here. Yes, you're supposed, Jules is supposed to be out of school. Let's, can we, can we, th- can we make this room a little bit more, uh, appetizing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess you want to get it out of mud once they once they end up once they end up reaching out with each other. But the brick walls, everything was just very low, was was just very low key. Junkie. Y'all need some goddamn maids in there, man. What you doing? Jules like, all right, time to go to work. The damn pots and pans is uh, out here chilling. I was like, all right, well, I mean, if this is if this is heaven for Rue. But I then cream of weed out. I was like, <laughs> That's that's he- that's heaven. That's what Rue that's what Rue wants. But then she she hits the you know the one thing that we are we are confirming, and then we we get either even more confirmation of is that Rue is still using after the relapse. So um, the the biggest part of this episode that I think is is and it was and not to be like you know to be completely clear, this was a hard episode to recap. Uh, it's very heavily dialogue based. Usually when I do notes, I do it based on actions. So a lot of our recap of this episode is going to be just having a conversation about the things that they talk about on this episode, how it relates to not only Ju- uh, Rue, but the fact that Rue is kind of speaking as an analog of uh, a disenfranchised audience member, I think. I think she's speaking through all of us. Because, I mean, it's not so subtly mentioned here, uh, Mark, that COVID has happened in this world. Mm-hmm. Um that George Floyd has happened in this world and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff has happened in this world. And they, they reference it. So we're going to have a conversation based on that. So Ali is here. Uh, Rue is still lying about her recovery. She says, uh, you know, I'm fine. I'm completely clean. You know, this was all Jules's fault. Uh, I, you know, she's, she's like, I, I, I made her the point and she's not the point. And Ali's like, you know, you're full of shit. You know, he's just, and you know, uh, Rue says, uh, I'm still smoking a little bit of weed. How do you feel about Rue still not living in reality here of just how serious her problem is? I, I think, I think she's still trying to sell, sell angel like qualities to a lot. Of, and you're not, you're not going to be able to get it over on Ollie. I think they've had more than enough conversations to realize that Ollie is, is pretty much above a lot of the different conversations that she may feed her family. 
a lot of things that they, that she feeds her friends. Again, when she's talking about these types of things um, with any of the other characters that are on the show, or whether it's within school, it's it's pretty it's pretty quick. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, nobody is really calling her out on a lot of different shit. We had small areas where she would be a little bit uncomfortable because Jules was uncomfortable with her drug use and wanted her to slow it down. And I think those would be things that, or at least moments, she would end up bringing that back a little bit. But when it comes to talking about family and things like that, she'll sell shit to whoever. So now she tries to do it on Ali, it's it's definitely going to fall on deaf ears because Ali has seen a whole lot to realize that he's talking to a 17-year-old kid that's still trying to get above a lot of the things that she's almost uh, uh, trying to silence in her own head. Yeah. And what we learn a lot about Ali in this episode, and we'll get to it uh, in a bit. But, you know, Rue basically clearly admits that she, you know, she confirms the relapse or we can, we, as an audience, we're, con- we're confirmed. So they, they hit it heavily on the head in the first 10 minutes. She relapsed. She's not dead. This is real. <laughs> and I think that it was kind of like a, a funny little allegory to the rumors to have her in that dream sequence to make it seem like she was like, you know, not with us anymore. And then, you know, bring us back to reality. So it was literally Sam saying she is alive. <laughs> Stop saying she's dead. Calm down, Reddit, please. Yeah, please, please calm down. Uh, but Rue basically admitting that she was trying to kill herself uh, and not relapse after the after the you know the the stuff that transpired with with Jules. And she tells you know Ali that she does not want to get clean. To where we get to the first point of the night, and we start to realize what this episode is. It is Ali fighting for the soul of Rue. You know, for this whole fifty minutes, it is heartbreaking and really crushing to see her mindset at this point. And it's almost, well, it's not even almost, it literally is somebody trying to talk life and purpose into a 17-year-old that just does not want to deal with any of it. She talks a whole lot within her conversation of how dark the world is right now. Like you had said, they are in a COVID world. This is not an episode where Euphoria is without the death of George Floyd, without any type of things going on with COVID right now. They don't beat it over the head with masks Mm -hmm. and signs on the windows and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. But you start seeing everything that is going on in this world way down on Rue. And the fact that Jules has jumped out and has still not returned, still not heard from Rue at any point, well, not heard from Jules at any point in time, is still weighing heavily on her. So one thing that ended up throwing me off was just, damn, I know that this is not this is not impossible to see elsewhere, but the fact that a 17-year-old is so nihilistic and wants to completely remove herself from everything that is going on right now, not just her, her, her issue that ended up happening weeks ago, was something that it was difficult to try and see Ali try and speak a lot more of that energy and a lot more of that purpose into Rue because as soon as he does it, Rue almost questions why. And that leads Ali into areas where he has to start explaining things a little bit more grand for her to start getting that idea into her head. A Mack truck. Uh, what? Name another. Uh, the ocean. Try again. Uh, <laughs> shit, I would say... Any song by Otis Redding is of greater power than you. That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. What? The, the, the impact that Try a Little Tenderness had on the world is, is more than I, I could ever do. Well, it's more than probably any of us will ever fucking all do. All right, all right, all right. Little smart ass. Okay, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> Ali, I don't believe in God. Guess what? God doesn't give a fuck if you believe in him. He believes in you. I don't know. That that, that sounds good, but it, it doesn't really mean anything. Of course it means something. If God didn't believe in you, you wouldn't even still be breathing. So this leads us to a conversation about God. I think one of the biggest, to me, uh, one of the biggest breaking off points in this episode uh, is the the idea uh, you know, of Ali talking about things that are greater than Rue. To put it in perspective, just how small the problems that she is explaining to him <laughs> really are mm-hmm. uh, you know he tells he tells rue you know you don't believe that there's a power on earth greater than yourself and rue says that she doesn't believe in god or his purpose and connects it to losing her dad which then starts to connect the dots of the rue character a little bit right so we understand that she uh you know has been through all these disappointments but ali drops more knowledge saying talking about how drugs held down 
people of color like herself. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that ended up being in her conversation is something that you might hear um, from many people that deal with theology and, and, just, and just deal with uh, the existence in this case. When you start seeing her bring up school shootings and things that have just been difficult to talk about in America throughout the past years, uh, she had such a problem with people that are coming out of these conversations, survivors in these instances, and say, without the grace of God, I would not be here. She took and she, she takes heavy offense to that mm-hmm. because of the passing of her father. And when mm-hmm. they start saying sentences like that and start saying they had a purpose, God definitely kept me here for a purpose. She takes heavily offense to that because she yeah. has not really found all the answers as to why her father left and why is it just her Gia and her mother right now uh, dealing with the things that they have dealt with. She took a lot of interest in knowing that if her father were here, she felt like it was almost supposed to be a much different protector in her life. And now that he's been gone, it's almost like she takes those types of scenarios and tries to make reasoning as to why Rue herself is here in these types of situations, which Allie is literally trying to bat away immediately. Yeah. The fact yeah. that she has so many different things in her life that she's trying to account for and explain, well, I'm a piece of shit because X, Y, and Z. And Ali's like, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not getting off that easy with this type of mindset. Yeah. And, you know, Ali breaks into a very good monologue here. Let me just say, Coleman, Ding, Dem- uh, was it Coleman Diego? Domingo. Domingo. Amazing. In this episode. I think that he deserves, if there's, if, you know, next year's Emmys, Put him on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's up there. Zendaya, once again, she, she's probably going to win another one. Let's just be clear. She's probably going to win another Emmy specifically for this episode. But um, there is a conversation where he's, he's talking about how, you know, people are so interested in the, in the micro and the, in, in the macro of things such as revolutions that we are, getting, we are losing sight of the fact that we are losing the term of revolutions. He says revolutions are no longer radical. Uh, he, he has a, a slight Black Lives Matter subtext here that uh, and how brands have used it to radicalize while still grabbing our dollars. Uh, he, he bars up Nike for about two or three minutes. Um, I, I think that, you know, he, he went full hotep on us in this part, though. I, I some of it was like, cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the beginning I was like, oh, OK, I'm starting to I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel it, Ali. OK, completely. Because, again, just like you said, season one, he almost like played the background. He almost wanted to learn a little bit of, from Rue off the side. And you didn't really have conversations in depth like this when it came to Ali. Ali was a character that we were just like, ah, oh, this is this is pretty interesting. And yeah. we know going down the road, we're going to see a whole lot more of him as Rue gets more comfortable with talking to him in these certain types of cases. But then a few minutes later, it starts going into Yada. And I'm just like, oh, no, Rue, just get up, please. Now, he started hitting now. You taking that vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know, Rue's gonna shrug it off. I mean, shit, I don't know. Nigga. Should I take should I take this shit? It's another needle. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, we have to end this. We have to end this early. No, I mean, you know, he, early. he had me. I think there's one point that was kind of like I could tell the director, uh, I could tell Sam was writing this. It was this part. Um, I, I get it as far as him saying, you know, for once black people felt as though our, our, our lives mattered. But then he said, you know, I turn around, I had to still pay $130 for some Jordan. 130 hit the ending in yeah. the head. It was like, Ugh. but you I mean, you know how, how these things work, man. You gotta have a, you gotta have off whites, you know what I'm saying? And not had off whites. It's cool. Like, but I think that's how we all felt back in June. We, we felt heard for once, you know, I personally working for a huge company at the time, we didn't speak out and that meant a lot you know, to me that we, that we didn't like it, it was, it was very, a, a big point of contention for me. And I, I think I spoke to you guys about it, Mark. And I was just like, Hey, I can't work at a place that doesn't talk about valuing my life. So I think that one part of that conversation that Ali was saying, or that part of the conversation was, was very timely and it was necessary to have, but also it's like, you know, the acknowledgement for as small as it, as small as it is, we got to take these types of things at face value. I, I think it's like, it, it, that's a baby step. If you think about it, we weren't even being told ever that our lives matter. It don't, it, that don't mean Nike not going to be Nike. It mm-hmm. means that we got to fight the, you know what I'm saying? Fight the establishment. And then that's where he got back around to it. And I was like, okay, I get it where he says, 
a really great quote. He says, your only hope is a revolution for her. He said, because there's so many of them, that they're not radical, but they they never see them through. And he said, in order for Rue to be clean, she has to look at it like a revolution. And I thought that was a really fucking great thing to, to say. And I, I like the way he tied it all back around. Yeah, it's to to be able to drive this to Rue, you kind of can't give her the run of the mill conversation of everything's going to be all right. Everything will continue to uh, persevere as long as you do yada, 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 because that's just going to end up being small potatoes in her mind to put things on the grandest scale, which ends up being this conversation ends up driving so much into Rue that it ends up starting to click as soon as Ali starts seeing light go off I think that's going to end up being his his calling point to realize that this is going to be something that Rue starts beginning to take seriously because yes she has pretty much bullshitted her way through rehab uh continues to do whatever makes her feel a lot better to at least just be able to get through the fucking day is is something that I feel like Ali is starting to see a whole lot more from Rue, and he wants to. And he wants to get to get her away from that. Yeah, to be and able to have things in this scale is 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 something that is going to help it stick. Yeah, I, I, I like. How did you feel like about um, this kind of like at this point? You're starting to see that this is really Ali telling her this is like her last chance. You know, like this is literally the last chance for Rue to get clean, and it's 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 the way she's looking at it. Like how how did you feel about how, the way he kind of brought it right, right back around to just really like how kids think about you know radicalism these days, and and how Rue has to think about and and kind of break through the 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 gray area to see the real goal here is to her being clean. That's the that's the only power she has because like earlier in the episode he says sobriety is her superpower. It's her greatest weapon. Yeah, she's like ah, I don't got a goddamn superpower. <laughs> yeah, but. It ends up being it ends up being important in that sense because it's almost like a warning. Again, yeah. Ali Ali starts these conversations as Rue starts getting more interested in Ali's side of the conversation and his point of view. You start realizing that Ali has literally seen probably everything to keep Rue away from that type of road. So as you hear that, I became a lot more interested in how he's handling this because it's almost like once you start learning about the fact that it's very hard for her to believe in God, just, just after the passing of her father, there's a conversation that's missing here that I feel like Ali begins to start filling in so that that emptiness that Rue is feeling without that type of conversation or that figure begins to start filling and i don't know if ali i i wouldn't say that ali takes this conversation from a uh father perspective i don't think he he is trying to be he a father like he looks at her like that you know yeah. uh it, it is literally once you and, and we'll get to that part because it's coming right out it's literally next on my notes but like once we get to us you know a part where you know he he's he's talking to his daughter you know it, you start to see the parallel there and why he he has such a vested um interest in 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 rue you know it is it is it is pretty much like yo you have to save yourself because i wasn't able to save myself you know what mm. i'm saying and and that's that is the way that he that he is like looking at this so like you know we we get to to the point where he's talking to her about you know how you're going to be sober and why it's so important to be sober uh he, he excuses himself for a second and uh rue gets a text from jules Ooh. i miss you He'll turn, he'll turn jewels. And we get her sending her a song from Moses Sumney called Me in 20 Years. I'm still the song hit, huh? Once I seen the Spotify link, I'm like, Jules, you ain't slick. You ain't slick. You you trying to send her playing games. He grabs some shit off the daily mix. Let me throw this shit. So we get that song. Uh, shout out to Moses Sumney. This song is a banger. You know, I put it on the playlist ASAP. Um, me in 25 years, or me in, uh, me in 20 years, sorry. We see Ali go out, talk to his, uh, what I presume is his daughters, before we get a proper introduction to them. He can't even, like, you know, we get to see the disconnect between himself and his family. And it started to hit me. Ali is literally rude. 
in 20 years if she doesn't tighten up? Because you see, as much as she is, you know, destructive right now, all things, you know, all things, you know, considered, she probably won't die. Or if she doesn't die, this is where she's going to end up. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be another route that she talks to. And there's going to be another one. It, it is the vicious cycle of addiction. And, you know, it, it is, it, it sucks because now you see it through Ali. And this is where you get the, you get the subtext of why he's so important to Rue and why he's so important to the story of Euphoria. There is no adult analog. All the adults in this, in this show are, are pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we know, you know, like we have Nate's dad, you have, you know, all these people, Ali is the best of them and he's still not the greatest, you know, and that part really broke my heart, Mark. I'm not going to lie. Like that part is really heavy with the song playing and, and, and Rue being in the diner. Coleman, once again, kills the, kills his part on the, on the phone, but it, it was, a, it was a really tough, tough part to watch. And, it, and this is what the point where I noticed it's like 30 minute mark where I was like, this is going to be the whole episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like as you start seeing Rue uh, definitely start drowning in her own sorrows, the things start getting a lot more lasered in with Ali and his conversation. And we don't really get what is on the other side of the phone. You hear him struggling, yes, but Rue is starting to connect the pieces that this is depressing. Like you're, it's a, you're at a you're at a pretty. I wouldn't necessarily say late stage of your life, but it's it's a part of your life where you have done so much, learned so much, overcome it, and now you're having these difficult conversations with family. You're trying to save others that are within your circle from not going down the roads that you went through to make to 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 make sure that you don't have to lift people up outside of that. It's it's not easy to to be in Ali's position of trying to save a 17-year-old from saying that she doesn't want to be here anymore, it's a difficult conversation. And Rue starts seeing that. And if things don't clear up, that ends up being something that could happen for herself. And 20 years down the line, she's 37. Not really that big of an age, but... Not that big of an age and not that long. You know what I'm saying? Like 20 years, as we grow up, like... That goes fast. Yeah. 20 years, <laughs> no, 20, 20 years is nothing. To hear these conversations he's having at 17 was already depressing in itself. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot. So uh, after that interlude, really great interlude, by the way, really excellently shot. Um, we get to a big, a big, big question. And that is when uh, Rue asks, what am I going to do about Jules? I had to not be in a relationship so that I could focus on my sobriety because that's what I wanted. And I didn't have enough energy for both of those. And I wanted to get clean. Everything that's good to you ain't always good for you. What do you have to say to somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of hope? When I was a little girl growing up, my grandma used to always have this saying, and I never understood what it meant until I was ready to get clean. And her words were, baby, trouble don't last always. And it doesn't. If you want to make a change. Miss Marsha, the fucking MVP of the episode, mm-hmm. putting it down mm-hmm. for Rue. So Rue, Rue still blames Jules for everything. We get to the nitty gritty of rules here. I think at this point, this is the, to me the most storyline of the whole episode. I, I would, I would think like, because we were waiting this whole time to see where the disconnect happened and what the hell, you know what I'm saying? Like where, where was, where was Rue's state of mind at this point? Right. So she says that, you know, Jules and Rue, you know, they she thinks that they were in a relationship, but did Jules know that? So we get Ali saying, okay, so she kissed you. Okay. And did, did she say she was in a relationship? And we start to see the delusion of Rue, which is what we all knew in season one. We all gathered, even from the point when Jules left, that Jules did not know and that was not reciprocated to her. Rue was like, come on, man. We kissed a lot, man. What you talking about, man? Ali's like, huh? <laughs> y'all, ain't, y'all ain't make it official? And Rue's like, oh, my head. It's like, so oh. many things going on in my head right now. I don't remember. It, it was that point when... When 
Ali said, okay, you know what I'm saying? It, like, like when Ali broke it down, I wanted to drop the funk, funk flex bomb so many times on that part because it was like, yo, they, these are the questions that no one asked. Why she was really breaking down over something that was not confirmed. But this leads into a deeper hole of Rue having a lifetime of broken promises and abandonment that left her down this path. She says, you know, Jules cheated on her right in front of her and that everyone lies and that maybe this is like her, you know, her punishment for being a piece of shit. And that's when Ali once again checks her and says, no, like this is this is not it has nothing to do with you. You know what I'm saying? Like these are things that, that happen within life's great design that you don't believe in, which we, you know, we talked about with the whole God thing. It's like there's a grand design for all of these, all of these things. And I, I love that it kind of connected to uh, Ali's main story of talking about when, when he converted to being a Muslim. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he was saying like that that was kind of that was his design. And he's trying to show Rue, like, what is yours? What what where do you want to see yourself going? What if that would have led to to Rue converting? Well, she asked, didn't she? She was like, "How many? Uh, how many women convert uh, to 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 being Muslim?" And he said, "Not many." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Oh, never mind." And shit. I mean, I, I think I think I'd be I think I'd be interested in that. If we got that for an episode, I'm just her reading up on the books. She can't. She can't hit the gas. She can't hit the gas. Oh but, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. But um, Rue then talks about something that we kind of we were kind of alluded to once again in season one but we never saw she says that she you know she abused her mom she punched her mom in the face and she believes that this abuse and this treatment of her parents defines her and ali believes that rue's punishment of herself is another this is again i i gotta i gotta drop i gotta drop this for for ali uh because he, right now we need to make a new award for him we have the fez core cool we need the ali award right now because he is literally he's the, he's the greatest the, the Fresh Prince cheer track. <laughs> She's the greatest because he says that her um, her blaming herself is an enable, enablement technique because mm-hmm. it allows her to skirt responsibility for the things that she does and is stopping her from actually changing because she never truly looks into herself and why she does the things that she does. And not really fucked her fucked it up because he says, you know, in the larger part of the thing, the, the 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 larger point is that no one looks at addiction. And and I love this quote as well. And and you know, for anyone that's dealt with addiction, this is such a, you know, this might be triggering, but it also might be enlightening because it felt like it's coming from someone that understood. Very. Um, and and he said, you know, that that addiction isn't looked at like a disease. You know what I'm saying? It, and and it's the truth. Because it, no one looks at people who are addicted as people who, who are diseased because that's how easy they get the drugs or they, you, you could just stop doing it. Mm. But it's like, you know, that's not what they see it as. And where, where the, the, the path that Rue is going down is a path of self-loathing that is a direct response to that. And he was like, you know, you're going to have to deal with mental health issues for the rest of your life. But these are not the things that you use to help you with that. Yeah, and I think the one thing that he wanted to 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 drive in home is that you don't get to you don't get to say, yeah, I'm snorting coke because uh, Jules cheated on me a couple of weeks ago. First off, I was pretty over the fact that she's already blaming Jules for uh, uh, anything that is going on right now. Jules next door, yes, is <laughs> we're going to hear from very soon on her part of the conversation on her story. I'm not saying that Jules is exempt from any slander as of right now but to be able to say oh that's why i'm just gonna do this line real quick because jules just broke my heart and i just just can't take this shit no more that is something that ended up pissing ali off even more because like you said it's a reason as to why at least own up to your shit like yeah i'm about to relapse Nah, i just i just just, feels great feels amazing i just i just can't get through shit right now he respects that answer a lot more then, well, the reason that I'm doing this is because I had this dream last night and, and we had yeah. brick walls and Jules was going to work. And now uh, blah, blah, blah. that that ends up being something that he feels like Rue is going to use for a very, very long time on various amounts of people in her life. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. And, and that excuse is what's keeping her from actually growing. And he says he, he puts it to her like. The war, the, you know, we, we get to that really tough conversation um, where. Rue has heard everything Ali has had to say and it all makes sense. And her only, she, she has this whole episode, put all of her defenses up and, and had a counter for everything. And she just straight up says, she straight up tells us and says, you know, Ali, I just really don't plan on being here that long. And 
that was a moment where it's like, I think there was a point in season one where we still rooted for Rue because we just felt like, as with all TV shows, she's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. she's going to get out of this. And this was a point where it was like, we're coming out of this. How do we root for, for Rue? How do we root for someone who is diametrically opposed to, as a protagonist, goes against everything as a viewer that we know as a character? Yeah, and, I don't think it's I don't think I don't think it's really like a a, a, he, a heel turn almost. But you spend no. the past hour trying to trying to uplift, and yes, things were connecting. But at the end, it's just like truthfully, it could be the truth. But I I'm give up. Of, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm really disinterested. Yeah, um, we get into you know a, a really just a, a anecdote about the world being ugly and and people being okay with it, and. Yeah we get a really a a good commentary on what's going on in the world right now. The ugliness of 2020 in a nutshell through this show and it's deep and it's true and it's real. And I, you know, I would suggest anyone who has not seen it to watch the last 15 minutes of this episode, because we've all felt this, how crazy it is racially, politically, socially living this year. And I know they didn't plan this. No one could have planned this. But having it through the lens of a 17-year-old like Rue with addiction problems, having her own issues, that could make anyone want to give up. And, man, it, it, was, it was rough. You know, like, I look at euphoria as, you know, these are things that, you know, not necessarily I'm going through, but things that I've seen. Yeah. You know, as a kid, as a teenager. And that, dis, dis, that disenfranchisement, that, you know, helplessness, that hopelessness, you feel that, and I, I really feel for all the kids out there right now that, that feel that as well, whether they are addicted to drugs or not. Like it, it was a real moment, and it was, it was, it, it gave me chills, man. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like that's one of the best things about Euphoria. Season one ended up being something that was looked at from a parental perspective, where parents that were watching the show were like, "Oh my God, is this is what happens in high school, and and so on and so forth, and there are these drugs and all this sex and blah blah blah." But to be able to have an episode like this where there's a lot of mature conversations and conversations that are having at, that are being had at an adult level that is coming from a 17 year old kid right now, I think is something that ends up, it, it, it almost reverses the conversation that had happened um, last year in season one from a parental standpoint. But now it's, it's a lot more different to be able to have and hear these types of things coming from Rue. And we're going to start seeing a whole lot more of it. I feel like, this was a situation with Rue where you're going to start seeing some maturity. It might not have connected in the diner, mm. but I think going forward to be able to have all of that, whether it was from, from the two different perspectives that she heard from in that restaurant, things are still pretty shitty for Rue right now. We're still not 100% positive what happens to her and how she feels about how long she wants to be here on earth, what we're going <laughs> to see with that in season two. But I think I think it's going to end up working for the best. I don't think Ali's work that ended up happening happening here is going to be uh, uh, over. Not necessarily over, but I don't think it's going to come without a payoff. I don't think this is going to happen. And then next week, she's just nothing's changed. Nothing's happened. I'm just going to go back. I think even if she does go back, if she does relapse again, Rue's going to start looking at this from different standpoints, start realizing that, yes, maybe I do have the opportunity to fuck up in my life and not have to attribute it to the fact that I did something completely shitty 10 years ago. And this is now my karma for it because that drives people insane. Yeah. To be able to have this to be able to have this on her plate right now, I think we're going to start seeing a different Rue once we start getting the opportunity to in season two. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. It was tough. Uh, we we end the episode on um, Rue and Ali leaving the diner uh, after a pretty heavy moment where she, you know, he asks her how he wants um, her sister and mother to remember her, and she says, you know, as someone that you know tried to be something that she wasn't. So we leave on a long cut of her with Labyrinth singing Ave Maria out on the episode. Um, 
Into the Void. This is this was the first bridge episode for Euphoria Part One. Um, it is uh, heavily suggested by Sam Levinson. Pretty much confirmed that Part Two will be Rue's side of, or not Rue, uh, Jules' side of the story, which. I cannot wait to hear the response to that, but um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, let's do let's do some quick predictions. No green awards, it's too heavy. <laughs> we cannot. Yeah. I can't. I can't do the green awards here. Uh, but I do believe that that uh, Miss Marsha and Ali were the MVPs of this episode. So, I think that season two will be decidingly more Rue-focused, of course. With Jules out of the picture, I don't know where that leaves the Nate part of the story. Uh, of course, there is a hanging thread of Fezco and what happened to him, uh, as well as, <laughs> you know, how that's going to work. But I would, I'm inclined to believe that the story of Rue getting clean is going to be the focal point of season two. Yeah, it, I, think, I, think, I, think at this point it, I think at this point it has to be. Like, this type of this type of conversation is we're going to start seeing Rue in a much different area. I, I would say I would say you're going to start seeing it immediately once they start getting back to school. I don't know how they're going to start shooting them getting back to school, but again, we talked about the conversations that Rue had in school before all this, and they're pretty straightforward and, and pretty to the point with a lot of her friends and anything like that. They didn't really dive deep into these types of conversations that she's having with Ali, but I think you're going to start seeing those first maturations or maturations, I should say, of Rue once we start getting back to school and everybody is still pretty much filled with drama. There's still everything that's happened with Maddie and Nate. We still have to figure out what's happened to that damn CD that Maddie ended up getting. Yeah. We have to start seeing Fez catch that body. Like, there's so many different things that are just going to be above Rue at this point because as they're dealing with a lot of this drama, Jules is gone. Like that that was that was one of the things that ended up having a smile on Rue's face as being in school in general. She yeah. might be able to talk to Lexi in certain cases, but I don't think she's going to be deep with Maddie. I don't think she's going to be deep with Cassie. I How think crazy. It, what what a part two is it was part two, Lexi. <laughs> if part two is Lexi. If if part two is Lexi, I think we're getting I think we're getting we're gonna get we're gonna get the storyline that people were wishing for in season one. Yeah, and, but that's but that's also a hanger in itself. Yeah, remember what, what happened in the finale? Yeah, what the fuck was I? <laughs> it's yeah. See, what the fuck was I the whole time? Uh it, it's it, it is definitely gonna be something to, to keep an eye on. Um I'm not sure if I was to predict, this is a pie in the sky prediction for me. The next bonus episode, I think, would be it have to be Valentine's Day. It's on a Sunday mm-hmm. next year. Uh, February 14th. Have it be Jules. Have it be the other side of that text saying that she missed her. And have it be where she, wherever she's at. Uh, wasn't she in, what, Chicago or something like that with the, with Homegirl? She wanted to go back. I don't know. Who knows where she went? She dipped off somewhere. She took the first ticket yeah. out. One yeah. of the morning dipped out. She, du- she ducked off somewhere. Um, I would imagine it'd have to be that. Season two, I'm going I'm to put it out there. I'll say June. May to June. And have another summer have another summer series. I think that's I think that's gonna be really good. Yeah, I don't I don't know what HBO's plan is next year. I don't think Westworld comes back at that point. Um, I don't think they have any big marquee. But Euphoria has quickly become a marquee series for them. I would imagine they want that back sooner than later. I am of the mind that they've already been or they've already been planning on or already been shooting something. If they've shot two full episodes at this point. Uh, something's got to happen. Something might be going down at least at the top of the year, if not earlier than that, because Snowfall has actually also been filming as well, and that comes back in March. Mm-hmm. That's a big production for FX. So, like, I would imagine that Euphoria is, if, if not, they, you know, they have been doing something they've been doing, because they've been doing this type of shit in, like, secret. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So who knows what, what people have been doing? So what, what do you think, Mark? Uh, I feel like they've kept it really low. Uh, to be able to have a summer series for season two is going to end up being really interesting. I feel like HBO, after we ended up seeing the news that ended up coming out now, that a lot of those Warner movies are just going to end up going directly to Max. I feel like they're going to have a lot on their plate for 2021. Uh, it's going to be really big for HBO Max, and I feel like this is going to drive a lot of new eyes who haven't had HBO before are going to end up coming in to be able to watch a lot of these movies uh, that are going to end up being released in 2021 on, on day one outside of uh, theaters. So you get a lot with that if Euphoria ends up coming back in June. I feel like going back to that schedule is going to be pretty interesting. To be able to have the second episode in February is really not that bad of a wait. I thought yeah. 
we uh, we heard pretty early about a, a quote unquote Christmas special, and we we're like, oh, the wait's gonna be excruciating. But but it, but it, but it, but it really really wasn't that bad to be able to wait two months to hear Jules' side of the story. I don't think is going to be too bad at all. But if you're waiting for everything else that came with the drama of what was going on in Euphoria, yes being able to see it in June is, is more than likely going to be your best bet due to everything that we have going on in 2020. Thankfully, we're almost out of it. Hopefully we're almost out of it. Um, I yeah, you're right. It's not that it's not, it's not unfair uh, to say that I, I'd say second episode, then we get the date for season two. I think mm. they'd know by then. I, I think they're shooting big blockbuster movies. I'm pretty sure Zendaya is maybe done with Spider-Man 3 already or might be done in, within the next couple of days because she is for sure filming that right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of months. But for now and for this episode, thank you guys for taking this journey with us through this heavy, heavy episode of Euphoria, this heavy bonus episode, and joining us for this bonus episode of Overly Medicated. Um, it's been a long wait We've been waiting. We cannot wait. I, I swear, like, this is the one show that I'm like, I wish we could still be doing this weekly and, and mm-hmm. having fun. But trust us, when we're back, we're going to have a whole new structure to the show. We're going to have all new sound, all new music, all new everything. So, like, you know, just to be clear that we're working on this show a lot, uh, even in the absence of the season happening. We're, we're going we're gonna to hit you guys really heavily when Overly Medicated finally returns. Any last words, Mark, before we head on out of here? I'm just going to make sure that I put the lock on this uh, on this green award and make sure that nobody steals it. We are originally yes. going to set it off for our heel turn, but we're going to save it for now. Can't give it to Rue. I feel like that will definitely uh, sour up the situation even worse. We're going to make sure that this lesson ends up being a positive lesson for her. Don't need to, to, to make it any more negative with the green award. We'll save it for the person who deserves it the most. We're gonna give her, a, we're gonna give her a break, and hopefully that goes to Cat. But we're gonna, I'm gonna lock up the. <laughs> I'm locking up the. We have this in like a little little trophy case. We have about eh, 13, 14 to give out. We'll, we'll wait till you know, wait till twenty twenty one. Which you know, of course, we will see you guys in twenty twenty one for part two. Whatever ends up being, of course, I think it's going to be Jules. If there's a part three, we'll be here as well. And if there's anything that happens in the world of Euphoria, we will be there in the in between. But, you know, it's that time. Say goodbye again. Let's hope part three is not Cal. Yeah, uh, part three has got to be McKay. <laughs> We're not doing the episode in that case. All right. <laughs> Make sure you follow us at RNC Radio Live on Twitter. Follow and subscribe RNC Watch where you can listen to this show, Late Fees, and countless other shows from the RNC TV and movie division. For Mark, I am Justin. Thank you for listening to Overly Medicated. We'll see you guys later. Peace, y'all.